Welcome to Youth Sunday. Um, this, if you guys are new with us, um, this is not a t- typical Sunday. Like, we don't have kids on stage every single Sunday. Uh, but we like to take a couple weeks. Dang, this is so short. Um, sorry, Dave. That's funny. I'm making fun of him. Uh, <laughs> that's too tall. Are you making fun of me? Stop. Who's doing that? This is my target. Go get your own, okay? Quit. I've already had like 15 people. Can I shoot your target? No, it's mine. Anyways, I digress. Okay, (laughs) if you are new here, we don't do this every single Sunday, but we take a few Sundays out of the year, and we like to show off the talent of our youth. Um, As you can tell, the kids did a fantastic job. Um, If you noticed when people were passing communion and offering, uh, those are our students, our youth. Uh, Here at Catalyst, our youth, the people 18 and under, take up about one-fourth of our church's population. And it is incredible that a church like this can be served completely by people under the age of 18. Because, And if you notice, some of these people actually serve on a regular basis on Sunday mornings, uh, singing on stage, passing communion, helping out in the tech ministries or up in the light uh, booth up there, helping over in children's. Uh, they are a huge part of, our, of what we do here at Catalyst, and we just want to thank them so much. So why don't you guys give them one more round of applause. We are incredibly blessed by the talent that we have here at Catalyst. Um, but we are in a series called uh, Who Does God Bless? Where we are looking at specific scriptures that tell us who God blesses. Uh, we are in our third week. Our first week, Dave talked about how God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Uh, the second week, last week, Dave talked about how fear of God is where wisdom starts. And this week, we're going to talk about how persecution refines and restores the church. Um, if you um, want to follow along with our scripture today, uh, we're going to be in 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19. Um, if you want, I, I think it's going to be on the screens if you guys want to follow along, if you can, on your Bibles as well. Um, and this is what the scripture says that we're going to be in today. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the suffering of Christ, so that you, you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. For it is time for the judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. See, as Christians, if you haven't already, you will run into some sort of persecution in your life. 
If it hasn't happened yet, it probably will come in the near future. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you have probably run into some sort of persecution of some sorts, either small or extreme, at some point in, this, in, in your time on this earth. God-fearing people are the most persecuted uh, group of people in the history of the world. From the very start of creation till now, they are the most persecuted group of people ever. Every great nation or empire at some point or another or will will come up to the point where they say God is no longer needed in this nation. We've seen it time and time again through scripture. We've seen it time. You can even look, turn on the news right now and there's groups over in the Middle East. There's groups all over the world that they, their sole mission is to get rid of the Christians. This is not something that is, is new to us. We experience it and hear about it on a daily basis. I mean, we can even go back to the very beginning of, of Scripture when we can see in Exodus, and I'm going to name off a few, where uh, God's chosen people, the people that God had chosen for, for Jesus to come through, uh, were, have been enslaved for 430 years, were persecuted. And, and, and because of um, their falling of the Scripture, they started to reproduce at a very rapid, very rapid rate. And Pharaoh did not like that. He was absolutely terrified of the fact that God's chosen people were growing, so he decided to put out a, a, a rule that every boy two years and younger should be disposed of, just to persecute him, to, to do his best to minimize and to squish and to persecute the Christians and God-fearing people. So what, what happened is God chose Moses and Aaron to go to, to Pharaoh and say, look, we want you to release God's people. And he said no because he did not believe in the God that he would do anything. And at the end, as we know, God's chosen people left as a group, and Pharaoh was left with nothing. He said God is not welcome here, and he was left with nothing. You can go a little bit further into uh, Joshua, Judges, and Kings, and we see these, this, this group of people called the Philistines. When, I, when we talked about them in children's ministry, I said they're kind of like ants. They like just keep on showing up. You like kind of shoo them away, and then they just keep on coming back time and time again in story and after story. And we even see the story with that, with, with David and the Philistines, where, he, where the Philistines were trying to persecute and just wipe out the God's chosen people completely. And David went up and did something about it. We see that because David was in God's will, he stopped Goliath in the path. And stop the Philistines just for a short while. And then if you jump just a little bit further, and, and, and when King Herod, when Jesus was born. See, King Herod was, I, wouldn't, I don't know if he was a great king necessarily, but we have this small tidbit that he was a very insecure man. He was very scared of a baby being able to take over his kingship, and he wanted to completely stop that. He heard about this baby that was going to be king one day, and he did not want that to happen. So he did the exact same thing where he said, uh, boys... Under two years and under should be disposed of. So what he did is he created a census just to find this one baby. And obviously we know that God took care of them. But what was kind of ironic about that whole situation, as a king who said, we do not want God-fearing people here. I am God. I am the king. You need to follow me and did his best to suppress and to persecute God-fearing people as much as possible. Two years later, after he put out this rule, he passed away. And it wasn't because he was doing this great feat of taking his, his army to another nation to destroy them, to change the world. That's not why he passed away. Um, historians believe that he died probably of kidney failure, uh, most likely due to drinking way too much and eating way too much. His selfishness destroyed him, and he put his faith 
in people rather than God, and he ended up ruining his life. Even after Jesus' death, we see that Rome turned the heat up to 100 when it came to Christians. They would publicly do whatever they wanted to to Christians. Anything that came to their minds, they decided, we are going to do that to Christians. Even the Colosseum, which we all know about, they decided to put Christians in the middle of it and just put lines in there just to see what happened. They decided that Christians were the reason for everything, and they were going to see if they could squish them and make them a mockery of everything because they believed that their nation and their gods were more powerful than ours. And even Rome, even Christians, uh, persecuted until after, little after year 300. And Rome fell, as we all know, in year 510. There were so many more stories that I can speak of. I can go on for hours about different stories of, of, of people and God-fearing people being persecuted under other people. Where, where, where kings and nations decide that we're just going to squish you and we're going to push the, and persecute and step on and try to destroy as much as possible because our ways are better and God has no place in this world. But the problem is, is every time a nation does that, every time a group of people, as we can see that today, every time a nation decides to suppress Christianity, it starts to grow like wildfire. We, we hear stories from Ravi, some of our missionaries in, in, in Honduras, and we see things in India, and we see things in China, that those are the fastest growing churches in, Amer in, in the world right now because they are being suppressed so much. And we have even history to back up that when Christianity is suppressed, that it starts to grow like wildfire. Historians say that 14 million martyrs were killed. Record, that was just recorded. 14 million martyrs were killed from Jesus' um, uh, birth to about the end of the 1800s. So about 1900 years, there was 14 million martyrs on this world. But just in the past 120 years, there's been 26 million martyrs. So it almost doubled just in the past 120 years. The more and more people say, look, God has no need to be in this world, the more Christianity is like wildfire. And because of this, because of history and because of what's going on, we see two things uh, that happen in the church whenever persecution happens. And we need to learn from these two things. The first thing is persecution refines the church. See, perse persecution can be a scary thing, and it only comes when it's an outwardly shown as when you're part of a team or a family. If you are a Louisville fan, you understand what I'm talking about. If you are... Sit down, Jonathan. Sit down. You're fine. Poor Louisville. Anyways, uh, the, yeah, I'm sorry for the Facebook ridicule that you received yesterday. I saw it. But, but this is what the scripture says that we read today. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of God, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. It says this because you have the spirit of God in you. If you believe in God and Jesus is the, the savior of your life, you start to change. You start to bear fruit. You start to do things in your life. You don't just sit still. Things start naturally flowing out of you. And in this world today, pretty much everybody likes to just leave everybody alone in America. They're like, you do you. You're not going to be persecuted for something that you're not. The reason that it defines you is because when others see that you are persecuted, when other people see that you are treated differently, 
when other people realize that you are a Christian, a lot of people start to bail on, on this because they see no benefit in it. Whenever you start to be persecuted for what's going on in your life, whenever you start to see others be persecuted, a lot of people start to bail because they're like, I don't want any part of that. The reason it refines is because those who are blessed with the Spirit understand that everything on this world is not our own, but it is for God's. And we will do whatever it takes in order to follow God's will, even if it comes to persecution. And everyone else will start to leave because it does not benefit, benefit them right now. In fact, they only see danger in it, mostly. Or it's going to change their social standards in some way. They don't want to be associated with those who are Christians because what, they, but what other people think about them is more important than being within the will of God. The second thing that we need to understand is persecution restores the church. Persecution can also bring people together. It shows a need for God and his church. It shows a need for his Savior and a need for love. There's a reason that Asia is the fastest growing church in the world today because it has been persecuted and, and being suppressed with everything in its being. It seems that that nation's number one goal is to get rid of Christians. And because of those people, they decide not to hide. They don't decide to run. Instead, they decide that they are going to be joyful and rejoice because they know that they are in the will of God. Those who live by the Spirit understand the blessing of being persecuted because if you are persecuted, you know that you have the Spirit of God in you and you absolutely know that you bear His name. That is the blessing that we receive when we are persecuted. Think about the United States of America. Um, I, I'm 28 years old. I haven't been around too long. Um, some of you guys have been around longer than others. And I, I bet you guys can think of a time when people in the United States came together because of the persecution of certain people groups in America. I know I've only been around for a little while, but I can think of 10 like right off the bat. And if, you've, if you're older than me, you can probably think of many times in the United States history where something happened and people came together. And at that time, I bet you felt more like an American than anyone, any other time in your life. Or we've seen it time and time again with sports teams. When something happens within the sports team or at the school or something around, and the teammates come together because of what's going on. It brings people together. Or you've seen communities experience loss or a state that's experienced a complete natural disaster. You see the people come together because of what happens. That is the exact same thing that happens to the church. When persecution happens, we come together because of what verse 19 says. So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Not run away, not hide, not be embarrassed of anything that's going on, but continue to do good. And this will naturally happen every single time. But the thing is, you know, persecution, we talked about a lot what's going on in the world. We talked about biblical times. But in America, persecution can look a lot different. Uh, persecution does not happen um, with, with killing of Christians very often. Persecution doesn't happen when people get physically beat or anything in America very often. I would say most of you, majority of you guys have not been beaten because you are a Christian. But something else happens that has happened and has changed, and I believe that it's only happening in America. Um, a lot of us feel like we are, we are a target. 
in America. We feel like everything's just being thrown at us over and over again. And how many of you guys have ever been called a name before? Like, I'm thinking, like, preschool. Like, can you call me stupid? You know what I'm talking about? Like, how many of you guys have experienced that before? It doesn't feel good. Like, being called a name feels horrible. And even at a young age, we're taught, like, don't label people. Don't call them names. Don't put them in anything. Because it, it, it's, it's not good. Whenever, you're, whenever you, somebody calls you a name, whenever somebody labels you as something, they put you in a category that you have not a, approved of. When somebody calls you a certain name or labels you something, they have, they have seconded you off, and, and in their mind, you will forever be like this. It is something that you cannot choose. I mean, we, we, we see these names over and over again. And I, I don't know what you've experienced, but I'm just going to hear, I, I'm going to put a few, and it feels like we're a target in that area, where things are just being shot at us over and over again, and we just have to take it because we have absolutely no say. We see things like, like stupid, or you're, you're lazy. I've been called that before. It didn't feel good. Or you're slow, or you're, you're fat, you're overweight, or you're damaged, or broken. Or weak. Things that don't feel good. Things that feel terrible. Um, but I've experienced something that some of you guys might have experienced before. When I was growing up at church, I was called, I was labeled as a millennial. And because of that, I looked at the older people and I said, okay, boomer. We looked at each other and said, at least we're not a Gen Xer because nobody remembers them. <laughs> as Dave likes to remind me over and over again. These are stuff that we've been categorized as. Um, growing up, I did not choose to be a millennial. I was born into it. And because of that, I was sectioned off into a certain people group. Just like whenever you were born, um, I'm sure the generation before you put you in a sect, and that's who you are, we're not going to believe anything else. Same with the Gen Xers, same with the Boomers, same with me. And Millennials, I mean, I mean Gen, Gen Z, I'm sure you're experiencing the exact same thing that we've all experienced. It never changes. But here's the thing. There's one more label that has come up in our walk every single day. We see it. It's plastered all over the news. It's on headlines. It's all over the world. And this label is Jesus. But the problem with this label, what we believe, for some reason, is that we put this label in the same category as all of these. For some reason, whenever somebody labels you as a, as a Jesus follower, a Christ follower, or a Christian, we take it as, oh, they put us in a section. They put us in a category. They're persecuting us because they're calling us what we are. A lot of us need to understand the difference between Jesus and the rest of these. The great thing about being labeled a Christian is that you choose to be in that section. Whenever, whenever somebody labels you as a Christian, they're not labeling you off because they think that you are. No one's going to call you a Christian if you're not a Christian. You have chosen to be a part of that sect. You've been chosen to be set apart. You've been chosen to label yourself as a Jesus follower. And it's not that you're labeled and, and you're chosen that way and you don't have any say on it and you're just going to 
be that way forever. No, this is a little bit different because you need to make sure you get up every single day. Think about it, every single hour that you are a Christ follower and you need to name, wear this name badge for the rest of your life. Because we need to remember this. Dear friends, do not be surprised by the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you part- participate in the suffering of Christ. So that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it's not... Be, it, must, it should not be because of murder or you're a thief or any kind of criminal or even meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to, get, to do good. I want to encourage all of you guys if you felt persecuted in some way, if you, you've been labeled in some way as a Christian, I, can, I encourage you continue to stay faithful to your creator. Continue to do good. Because if you are persecuted, everyone knows that you are a Christian and you should be overjoyed because you bear his name. I'm going to pray for you guys and then we're going to continue in some worship. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for the ability to come in front of you. God, thank you so much for the encouragement of these words and the scripture. God, I want to pray for everyone who is persecuted on a daily basis, on all sorts. I want to pray for the Christians here in front of me that if they are persecuted because they bear the name of Jesus, that they find so much joy in that because they know they are with you and they have your spirit. God, I want to thank you so much for Jesus and the amazing grace that he allows us to have to receive that spirit so that we can be a part of everything that you're doing. God, you are so good. You are so great. Thank you so much for giving us the faith to continue in you. I ask this all in your son's name. Amen.